Hello, horror guys and gals, and welcome back to the We Love Horror podcast, the podcast where we talk about everything and anything horror. I'm Michael, and today I am joined by my friend Jordan from the Fag on Film podcast. You guys may remember him from the Conjuring episode, and he is back today to uh, talk to me about what we're going to be talking about with this episode today. So how are you, buddy? <laughs> well, it's noon here, and I've been babysitting my cats, so... <laughs> it's been a it's been a journey it's been a it's been a day so far for you huh mm-hmm. you and me think, both <laughs> yeah i think the one cat that's just keeps getting sick has something stuck in his throat because it's just it just it every time i see like little happy trails it's just clear and i'm like you i'm like you poor thing please yeah. don't stop puking on the couch damn it <laughs> you can puke on the floor all you want that's easy to clean up couches not so much yeah, we have the whole house has hardwood floors, and you somehow managed to find the carpet and the couch. Yep, yep. That's isn't that always the way though? Hmm. <laughs> oh, I have four, so. Yeah. Well, like you, I'm also having kind of a a journey today. I'm uh, having a journey staying awake today because, <laughs> I mean, that's 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 my fault. Let's 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 be real here. That's all my fault because. Not only am I excited to talk about what we're going to be talking about today, but, and you're going to love this, Jordan, because I know how much you love her, Taylor Swift just dropped a new album today. So I was up at the ass crack of dawn today to make sure I went and got her album at Target because they like sell like exclusive uh, content mm -hmm, that you can't get anywhere else. So to make sure I had to go get it before it sold out. So yeah, I was. Is is this still one of those albums where she's remastering all of her old stuff? And it's amazing. It sounds so good. Like there's so much of a a more mature sound now that she's like much older. So yeah, it's great. And then she released a whole bunch of songs that she hasn't released in like 13 years. So very, very Mom exciting. Off. I know that you're very excited about it. <laughs> so thrilled. Super thrilled. Couldn't be more excited. Must rush out and get it. I know how I know we talked about how much you uh aren't a fan of her last time, but uh yeah i i love her i listened to the, i think this 
because she released the album last night at midnight. So I think I listened to it three times at work before I got home. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I, I will say though, to her credit, what she is doing is probably like the pettiest move I I have ever seen, and I applaud her for it because she's just like, "Oh, you're gonna have my music? Well, fuck that! I'm gonna re-release my music my and, way." Exactly, bitch. and I'm gonna do it better than I did it when I was under your hand. So, mm-hmm. I give her credit though. I I, I think that's a very genius move in handling um a douchey producer being petty but it still doesn't mean i like her music (sighs) yeah well maybe maybe i'll turn you into a convert one day who knows i uh never thought i'd see the day when my sister became a taylor swift convert but she did it my and my parents i don't know how happy my parents are about that my parents were like you moved you moved there with your brother for four months and this is what happens (laughs) (laughs) Because now that's basically all my sister can listen to is Taylor Swift. That's what she told me the other day. And I was like, I'm so proud. I'm so proud. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, though, I did listen to her new album. And I do like that. I've always said that I think Taylor Swift, going on a tangent before we go to talk about what we're talking about. I always said that I do think Taylor Swift should stick to like country pop, like Shania Twain, Reba. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even like bluegrass, kind of like Dolly, because that's just where her voice is better. It's once she goes to like that, like poppy nonsense. I'm just like, eh. <laughs> yeah. See, I see. I love her poppy nonsense. So I don't know. That's what I got started on. That's where I started loving her. And then I went back to her country music later. And only then after that, did I appreciate her country music. Cause I was never the person that liked country music. So it wasn't necessarily her, but like back in the day when she was releasing like these earlier albums, I never listened to them because I was like, I don't like country. So, you know, it was only after like red and stuff that I started (laughs) really getting into her music. So now I'm going back and revisiting all of her old stuff and I'm, I'm just loving it. So fair enough. Yeah. But anyway, I'm sure the listeners are tired of me talking about Taylor Swift. So we'll move on from that. (laughs) (laughs) Just explaining why I haven't gotten any sleep today um so yeah uh but uh before we start do you want to plug your podcast in for us jordan real quick but yeah um the podcast is a bag on the film we're on apple spotify we submitted it to google um i'm not sure if by this episode it'll be out yet but it's been submitted so keep your eyes out (laughs) keep your eyes and ears peeled um yeah it's just it's a fag on film we talk about everything uh this month in april is pot month <laughs> 420 <laughs> 420 yeah we just did cabin in the woods and by the time this episode drops we'll be reviewing pineapple express very nice very mm-hmm. nice good addition i did it the, mostly yeah good addition to the 420 theme i would say yeah I did this mostly because like our last couple of things have been like really somber, like Women's History Month and Black History Month. And I'm just like, we need some fucking pep back into this podcast. For real. Yeah. (laughs) Can see how that'd be like uh, kind of, uh, especially with like the political climate in this day and age, it's a little hard to, you know, stay positive with that kind of stuff. But uh, (laughs) yeah. Um, Yeah, we were just talking about how you and I were both how I just happened to be putting out a cabin in the woods episode this weekend, right after you did. I don't know how that happened. Call me a psychic. I don't know, but <laughs> um, minds think alike. Yeah. But that's just the one that the, the Dick pod guys talked about 
I love their name, by the way. <laughs> oh my god, I that's 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 brilliant. I, I haven't listened to them, but Dick Podcast. That's a br- it's it's one of those names where I'm like, damn, I wish I thought of that first. Yeah, yeah, they're hilarious too. You've got you got to listen to them. They're fucking outrageously her- hilarious. So I was like, I have to get these guys on. So I like reached out to them and was like, let's let's do an episode. And they're like, okay. So very excited to do that. But um, yeah, thank you for plugging your podcast for the listeners. Yeah, no problem. Come listen, please, please. Yes, please do because they have a very, very good podcast. You guys are fucking awesome. I love listening to your podcast. Um, I love still, listening to you. <laughs> still behind because I'm still behind on a lot of podcasts. I'm trying to catch up, but uh, yeah, I will uh, get caught up very, very soon. So I'm so behind. I'm probably going to spend after we're done. I'm probably going to spend a day cleaning, listening to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and then I also wanted to say thank you for coming on and uh, doing this episode with me today. So, oh yeah, I love this subject. I could talk about this subject four days. Oh, me too. Me too. If there's one other thing that I can talk about other than horror movies and Taylor Swift, it's what we're talking about today. So, without further ado, do you want to tell the listeners what we're talking about today? Absolutely. We are discussing the RMS Titanic, not the James Cameron film or any other movie property. The actual ship and the weird coincidency supernatural things surrounding its voyage and its sinking and the hereafter yeah yeah well and then the like the like the outrageous freaking conspiracy theories that are out there it's insane (laughs) but uh yeah before we get into that um i guess how did you how did you get into the titanic jordan how did like how that how did that begin with uh your fascination with it and whatnot um well my fascination started back when i was a wee little boy so i'd say probably six so it was like a year before the movie came out Mm -hmm. and i just happened to see one of those like um just like a kid's book about it and the artwork kind of caught my eye and i was like oh that looks interesting so i bought it well let me phrase that my parents bought it i read it and then i just kind of like got into the whole thing about it because i was just like how does something like this happen yeah and then the movie comes out and then i just get further and further into like how something like this happened the 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 sort of i guess lack for a better word the lore of it yeah the history yeah it's like one of those things in history that you can it's it's almost hard to imagine that it actually happened like you watch you watch james cameron's titanic and you're like watching something that actually happened in real life and it's like it's crazy because you can't you can't wrap your head around it like i don't know how to explain it in a better way like it's just like i think about it i'm like holy shit this actually did happen like we're not just watching this big blockbuster movie that's like a fiction you know it actually happened the way that it happened in the movie i mean obviously it's a little over dramatized but I mean, you watch it and you're like, holy shit, this happened. And, you know, it's, it's just insane. It blows my mind <laughs> to think about that, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'd have to say, I think that's when my fascination started too. I think I was like five or six. And I just, I remember going to the library almost every day and checking out every single book that I could find on the Titanic. Like that's all I freaking like researched for like ever. And then the movie came out. And I think I've seen the movie like probably, I would have to say probably over a hundred thousand times. I'm sure. Oh, same. <laughs> if that's Clay even hates possible. When I put that movie but... on. 
oh I never get sick of that movie. Like I can literally quote that entire fucking movie, like the inflections of every character, everything. Like I don't even have to watch that movie to know what's happening. And I'm just, I, yeah. <laughs> like I said, we can talk about this subject forever, but um, I actually have a kind of a funny story that I wanted to tell before we move on. But um, I actually went to the Molly Brown house, like the museum in Denver. Yeah. So like I was, I think I was like nine or 10 when I went to the Molly Brown house and uh, I remember the tour guide when we got to the the whole story of the Titanic, how she was on the Titanic and all that. Um, she started like saying all this stuff about it and she was not giving the right facts. And so like right in front of everybody in the room, like I just started spouting off like, um, actually this happened and there were this many people <laughs> and my and my mom was basically like, Michael, shut up. And I was like, what? She's not do she's not saying the right stuff. Like it was driving me crazy. You're not <laughs> doing your job, lady. Yeah. She's I was like, Do you want me to take over the tour? Cause I can. Cause I I clearly know more about this subject than you do. <laughs> um, but uh yeah, no, I've just it's it's always this subject has always fascinated me. And um, I mean, it only further fascinated me like when they found the wreck too. Uh, like seeing the seeing all the footage from when they found it and just uh, it's just crazy to like I said it's just crazy to imagine that this ever happened so um, yeah just it's it stuck with me because just the the huge like loss of life is it's tragic and and what happened to people afterwards like how it really affected the families that like the survivors like how it really negatively impact a lot of their lives going forward um like you uh i've read the story about how jack thayer how him and his dad you know were on the ship right as it was sinking and he survived his dad didn't and then he went on to you know live a life but he ended up committing suicide when he was like i think he was like in his 30s or 40s or something from depression um, oh jesus and it's just like all this stuff like directly contribute contributed to that like a lot of it had to do with that and it's just like it, it it's sad because you think about how certain things could have been avoided if they would have done things differently you know well yeah like the weird thing is like with the lifeboats and everything that was just the um the the, the max limit at the time yeah because they safe wanted more lifeboats yeah yeah because thomas andrews uh the one that designed the ship he wanted he wanted to have like another um set of boats like alongside the other ones which i mean i guess in this case it was probably a good thing that they didn't have an extra set of boats i know like that sounds completely twisted logic but they've actually done i don't remember what documentary or where i watched this at but they like tested the theory of how long would it take to get both sets of boats off the ship and there was no there was no way that they would have been able to get both sets off the ship in time before it sank so they would have been probably less people would have survived if they would have had to deal with like two sets of boats. Um, hmm. So, I, I mean, I guess, that. yeah, I mean, I guess it's a good thing and a bad thing more, more, more so a bad thing just because if they would have had more lifeboats, they probably, you know, I don't know. You know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah, I know. What you mean. Um, yeah. It's just crazy that like safety regulations weren't as big of a thing back in that time. I mean, after the Titanic sank, of course, the safety regulations were a lot more strict. Um, but up until that point, there weren't a whole lot of safety regulations whatsoever when it came to, you know, crossing, you know, going across the ocean. So 
crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, about like by this time, it was it was safer travel because everything else was wood and took months. This now took like a week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I have a little bit of a backstory here that I kind of wanted to like tell people about that don't know as much because I'm I wanted to do this episode not only to talk about like the the more supernatural aspects of this uh story but like to kind of educate people that probably have only ever seen the titanic uh, james cameron film i mean there's a lot to discuss in that film as well and there's a lot of you know history behind that but there's just a lot of things that i feel like most people don't know about it so i kind of wanted to do that too if that's cool with you jordan it's fine with me all right so Um, On a warm summer evening in 1907, managing director of White Star Line, Bruce Ismay, and senior partner and chairman of the shipyard Harland and Wolf, Lord Peary, conspired to build a ship bigger and better than its rival company, the Cunard Line. After the dinner, the two schemed to create three of the most luxurious ships ever to be created, the Olympic, Titanic, and Gigantic, later renamed Britannic which would be ready uh, in 1911, 1912, and 1913, respectively. Work began in December 1907 on the first of the three mammoth ships to be constructed. The Olympic, in order to accommodate the size of the Olympic and Titanic, the largest gantry ever constructed was built so that workers could access all parts of the ship. Construction on the Titanic began on March 31st, 1909. At the peak of construction, Harland and Wolf Shipyard employed approximately 14,000 men to build the enormous ships. Um, It took over one year to fully frame the Titanic. Large steel plates were then riveted to the frame. It took more than 3 million rivets to hold the steel in place. That's crazy. It's a lot of fucking Mm -hmm. rivets. Um, In October 1910, the shell plating on the Titanic was complete. In the hold, the Titanic had 29 boilers containing 159 furnaces, which powered two reciprocating engines. The reciprocating engines were the largest ever built at nearly 40 feet tall and 9 feet in diameter. The boilers were also massive, looming at two stories tall. In 1912, when the ship was completed, it was the largest man-made object ever to be built. The Titanic was claimed to be virtually unsinkable due to its watertight construction. It had 15 watertight watertight bulkheads that divided the ship into 16 compartments the thought was that if uh, four smaller compartments flooded the boat could still float however the bulkheads only reached about 10 feet above the waterline allowing water to reach from one compartment to another thus defeating the purpose of the bulkheads which i've never understood the design of that that's so stupid to me like that's one thing that i've never ever been able to understand like why only the first four? Why couldn't you build them all up to the freaking like? <sighs> you got I me. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it's 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 funny because the whole unsequel thing, if memory serves, started because of a just a, a, a an article. It might have been from the safety test that they did, where someone with the guy reviewing it was just kind of like, "Oh, it's kind of unsinkable, isn't it?" And then those white star ran with that and the marketing yeah yeah i mean um i don't i don't think it's quite true that they said it was unsinkable they said it was practically unsinkable i don't i don't think they ever said that it was unsinkable i think that's like kind of like a a myth that people kind of threw around and it's kind of um i feel like some people take that as fact but i don't think they ever like fully i guess um preached that it was unsinkable they just said virtually unsinkable which is you know 
technically the same thing but you know <laughs> yeah i think it was blown out i think in recent years it's just been blown out of proportion oh yeah for sure and it just well and there's just so many things that i scratch my head about too um that i didn't write down in here but as we go on i'm remembering certain things that i also wanted to bring up but uh yeah um in may 1911 the titanic was released from its dry dock and the interior work began the grand the grandeur and opulence has never been conceived and has not been duplicated since. Everything on board was either brand new or specifically made and designed for the ship and was designed to make the passengers comfortable throughout the voyage. Every cabin or suite had running water, a luxury few of the third class passengers would have had it at home. Perhaps the most iconic of Titanic's grandeur, grandeur, is that how you say that word? Grandeur grandeur <laughs> was the first class passengers grand staircase the staircase was lit with natural light through the glass dome and illuminated at night with crystal lights among the luxurious accommodations were a gymnasium a swimming pool and turkish baths a reading and writing room squash courts and many restaurants for the passengers to enjoy titanic was considered a floating palace of opulence and luxury which ugh, like they don't make ships like they used to anymore you get these like i've always hated the way that cruise ships look like they just look so stupid it's like they're mm -hmm. just like shit stacked on top of each other it's just like i wish they still made ships the way they used to like ugh. you know i don't know when i see when i see pictures of like the titanic before it sank i'm just like what a beautiful ship that was mm -hmm. and then you see pictures of what it looked like inside and it's just like ugh, spectacular it's stunning um but uh, yeah, there were three different classes aboard the Titanic, first class, second class, and third class. Many of the third class passengers were immigrants hoping to move to America for a better life. Even though the third class passengers did not have as many luxurious accommodations as first or second class, the conditions aboard the ship were much better than what they were normally accustomed to. So for them, that would have been like first class for them. <laughs> and you know that like most of the money that, that shipping, like not even White Star, but Canard made was in third class yeah because mm -hmm. because they 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 were marketing on the belief that people like like you said immigrants going to america who are trying to start a new life that's where their bread and butter was was the working class people yep yep and then you get like the occasional you know rich people too that you know pay a shit ton of money to because i was looking it up i don't remember exactly what the amount today would be but it was like over a hundred thousand dollars just to freaking be a first class passenger and I was like, that's a lot of fucking money. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, for what you get. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true. Um, as was custom for White Star Line, the Titanic was not christened with champagne or wine when it left its dry dock on May 31st, 1911. However, a large crowd of nearly 100,000 people watched the Titanic glide into the water. On board included Jay Paramort Morgan, financer of the White Star Line, Lord Peary, Chairman of Harland and Wolf, J. Bruce Ismay, Chairman of the White Star Line, and Thomas Andrews, Harland and Wolf's managing director who oversaw the building of the Titanic. Um, on April 2nd, 1912, the Titanic com completed its sea trials and was deemed seaworthy. Eight short days later, the Titanic would set sail on its maiden and last voyage. Um, on, ugh, this is a lot to read. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> it is weird to me that you would do the speed test like eight days before you're supposed to like go to the go on board so it's just like hey yeah. we're gonna like make sure this car's safe before we like mass produce it 
<laughs> yeah, it just, there's just so many things about this that I kind of just shake my head. And it's like, I guess back at the time, it was just, there, there's just kind of a lot of arrogance and a lot of, like, there was a lot of a, a big belief in, you know, oh, this ship, this ship can't sink. This ship's, you know, this ship will be fine. We're good. You know, nothing bad can happen. And it's like, well, <laughs> they clearly learned their lesson the hard way, but. <laughs> mm. but a lot just... of the arrogance too, not to cut you off, but a lot of the arrogance too was because of how safe sea travel had become thanks uh -huh. to White Star and Canard yeah. and their ships. Yep. And they were like considered like the two safest, you know, ways of travel. Mm -hmm. is the white star and uh canard but uh yeah and i, lo I love how they're in competition with each other too <laughs> well with canard their ships were the lusitania which for anyone who doesn't know sank in 1914 due to a german u-boat and the which is one of the right yeah and the mauritania which like the olympic uh lasted for a long time and then was retired mm -hmm. canard promised speed and White Star didn't want to compete with Speed because Canard always won in Speed records. So they were like, well, fuck it. We're just going to give you, like, the best experience ever. And we're going to make it bigger, too. Like, they were like, we're going to make it longer. We're going to make it taller. We're going to make it as big as we can. Mm -hmm. um, That's why I was like that line in Titanic where she's like, it doesn't look any bigger than the Mauritania. And I'm like, bitch. I was just going to bring that up. I was like, that is so, that's such a shady line for James Cameron to throw in there, which... <laughs> But she's like, I don't know what all the fuss is about. It doesn't look any bigger than the Mauritania. <laughs> you can be blasé about some things, Rose, but not about Titanic. So we're 100 feet longer than, than Mauritania. Mauritania. And far more luxurious. <laughs> your daughter's your far too press <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I could, I could spend all day quoting that movie with you, too. Holy mm -hmm. Oh, man. Um... <laughs> On April 10th, the RMS Titanic, one of the largest and most luxurious ocean liners ever built, departed Southampton, England on its maiden voyage across the Atlantic Ocean. The Titanic was designed by Irish shipbuilder William Peary and built in Belfast and was thought to be the world's fastest ship. It spanned 883 feet from stern to bow and its hull was divided into 16 compartments that were pre presumed to be watertight. Because four of these compartments could be flooded, mm -hmm. yeah, quotes, <laughs> air quotes for that, um, without causing a criti critical loss of buoyancy, the Titanic was considered unsinkable. While leaving port, the ship came within a couple feet of the steamer New York, but passed safely by, causing a general sigh of relief from the passengers massed on the Titanic's decks. On its first journey across the highly competitive Atlantic ferry route, the ship carried some 2,200 passengers and crew. After stopping at Cherbourg, France, and Queenstown, Ireland to pick up some final passengers, which had included Molly Brown, that's when mm -hmm. Molly Brown um, boarded the ship. The unsinkable Molly Brown is what most people call her after this, but um, the massive vessel set out full speed for New York City. During the day of April 14th, 1912, the Titanic received six iceberg warnings, but continued on at 22 knots, which was full speed for the ship, which... That's that's one of the things, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Six iceberg warning, not including the one that um, the Marconi operator. Yeah, yeah, he didn't even relay one of the messages to the captain because there was one where it was, they were warning of in like an entire ice field that was like a yeah. Because if memory serves with that one, he was he was um, sending out telegrams from passengers to loved ones. 
and whatever ship it was was like hey 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 and he was just like fuck off yeah the californian i believe was the one i think that it was them i think it was them yeah yeah and and the that's a whole other freaking story because the californian apparently was only what within like two or three miles from the titanic because people people that passengers that were on the deck said that they could see the lights of the ship from where they were yeah it was about two miles away um kind of plugging my episode but not plugging my episode <laughs> so in our review of titanic which uh you should go listen to it's four hours long oh, not to brag love it. Love yeah. it. um clay brought up a reason uh in their inquiry why they don't think the Californians saw Titanic was because of water mirage, because it was just mm-hmm. such a calm ocean that the ship looked farther away and the lights were because they were doing like the little, they were flashing flares. lights to be like, and flares. They were like, Hey, help. Because it was so far away in that mirage effect, they couldn't, they couldn't accurately... see the light that was flashing. Yeah. yeah. So they just thought they were having a party. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and that's also why they weren't able to spot the iceberg in time is because mm-hmm. the the there was like a weird it, the, the this is like the whole thing that kind of like coincides with these weird events like there just happened to be such a weird uh I guess you could say geological phenomenon that was happening the same night that the Titanic sank. It was just this weird thing. Like I found that documentary very interesting. I'm assuming you watched that too. With the well, whole, he did, uh, he, and just relayed everything to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because with the whole water, the mirage thing, I'd never, I'd never even thought about that before. So, but that was, yeah, that, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's really interesting. Yeah, it's, it's like if you look at like the, 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 the geological effects of that night, it's just, it's just like it was serendipitous, like how everything perfectly aligned. Yeah, it's crazy, and it's like the the water was completely calm like it was a clear night there was no well and there was also like no moon so they couldn't see any sort of reflection off the ice or anything so it was basically like they were looking almost into a fucking black void basically so mm-hmm. and and another thing another weird coincidence is they didn't have the binoculars the the two lookouts uh frederick fleet and i can't think of what the other one's name is at off the top of my head right now neither one of them had binoculars because the one that there was a guy that was supposed to be in charge of that and he, and he transferred was, mm-hmm, he transferred but took the key to the freaking cabinet with him sure did and uh a lot of people say that if he would have you know if they would have had the binoculars they would have seen the iceberg in time which i kind of agree with because it, it would have been a lot easier to see it from farther away yeah they would have been able to see it um God, what did they say like 30 feet or something before they would have hit it which would have given them ample of time to either reverse Mm-hmm. engines or turn yeah it's just it's crazy how these events just <laughs> kind of it's kind of like a domino effect it's like one thing after another just mm-hmm. led to this you know unfortunate event in mm-hmm. our history which is just it's crazy to me um, what's even more fucked up is they've done an inquiry and if they actually had rammed into the iceberg mm-hmm. the with, with the at the speed they were going and the way the bow was was made that that point would have just broke the iceberg and yeah the bow would have collapsed a bit yeah but they did a preliminary research they were like oh yeah it would have flooded like two compartments and they would have been fine they would have they would have limped to new york yeah but the shit would never have sank yep just yeah it's sad to think about like if just one if one thing had been different or if you know it's just crazy to think that if 
just they would have done one thing differently that that night that would never would have happened so mm-hmm. just crazy to think about um but uh at approximately 11:40 p.m on april 14th the rms titanic failed to divert its course from an iceberg and ruptured at least five of its whole compartments yeah it said like a 300 foot gash along the side of the ship that's a pretty fucking long gash <laughs> well it's like it's like less than half the length of the ship yeah so it's like oh fuck can you imagine if it like just went around across the whole ship oh Jeez. it would have it, it would have easily like instead of it sinking this way it would have just it would have capsized it would have capsized yeah and yeah it would have been much more loss of life oh for sure because it probably would have sank way faster than it did i'm actually mm-hmm. impressed with the fact that it took two hours and 40 minutes for the ship to sink that's a pretty freaking long time like that's that's almost three hours so i mean the ship was obviously the ship sank but the ship was an at least a strong pretty strongly built ship for the most part the fact that it you know lasted that long i'm surprised Mm -hmm. um but uh these compartments filled with water and pulled down the bow of the ship because the titanic's compartments were not capped at the top water from the ruptured compartments filled each succeeding compartment causing the bow to sink and the stern to be raised up to an almost vertical position above the water at approximately 2:20 a.m., the Titanic disappeared beneath the surface, due to the fact that that the Titanic didn't have a sufficient number of lifeboats for everyone on board. A little over 1,500 people perished in the tragedy. Most died from hypothermia due to the frigid waters being 28 degrees Fahrenheit. I can't even fucking imagine. I can't even fucking imagine getting into the water that cold. It, oof, no. <sighs> I would. I would rather just. <laughs> I would rather just, you know, just die quickly than have to sit in that because it took what six to ten minutes for them to succumb to it. Is what uh, I've yeah, I've heard uh ten to fifteen, but I think they moved it down to six to ten. Yeah, it it they like they said it's like at first it's really cold, but then you start to feel like almost like you're going to sleep because your body's yeah. just kind of like Succumbing shutting down to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah yeah um and then this is still fucked up (laughs) right god that's a horrible way to go um but yeah then after after this whole thing uh the safety regulations for passenger ships drastically changed like they they had laws set in place to make sure that every single ship had a sufficient number of lifeboats Uh, i think they also pretty much um kind of reinforced the olympic as well after that whole thing like they made sure she had enough lifeboats i think they like reinforced her hull. they pulled her from what they did was she finished her route mm-hmm. they pulled yeah. her back they added more lifeboats they raised her compartments to b deck i think yeah and then yeah, they 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 added a, an, another hole or something they they fucking went they they did a lot to re purpose her and they did the same for what will become the britannic yeah well and then the britannic eventually sank too in uh what was it 1915 or 16 16 1916 because she hit a mine when she was supposedly uh, yeah (laughs) it's either a mine or torpedo they're not sure what she hit because the way she sank she capsized Mm -hmm. so the 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 impact uh area they can't tell because it's buried under mud yep yep and they assume it was a mine yeah well and it's crazy when you think about that too that's that's another kind of bizarre coincidence with all three of these ships all three of them had like 
disasters. The only one that actually survived the one that she had was the Olympic because she got clipped by another ship mm-hmm. and like tore a huge ass. There's like a picture of it too. There's like a huge ass gash in the side of her hull. Mm-hmm. And like all three of these ships, like just from the get go, were <laughs> we're not uh we're not great. They didn't yeah, have- but it's be- it's because of that accident with the Olympic that White Star Line was able to be like, see, look how safe these ships are. And you're yep. just like, oh. What's yep. even funny, though, is the, is the Olympic at the time that happened had the same captain that Titanic had. Yeah. Which was uh, Captain Smith. Yep. May I also say that they casted the perfect person to play Captain Smith in Titanic? Like, it looks just like him. Just gotta mm-hmm. say that. Just wanted to point that out. <laughs> um, we we I found out in uh, the research for my episode on Titanic Review that one of the people. Oh God, I wish they'd been cast because it would have been so fucking good. One of the people considered for uh, Captain Smith was Robert De Niro. Really? Yeah, but he had to drop out due to a uh, gastrointestine uh, 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 surgery or oh, something damn. like that. That's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I just I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, this, the ship sinking, sir. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> excuse me. Um, most of the 700 or so survivors were women and children. A number of notable American and British citizens died in the tragedy, including the noted British journalist William Thomas Stead and heirs to the Strauss, Astor, and Guggenheim fortunes. Although most people know the story of the famous ship, largely due to the success of James Cameron's classic film, there are also some things about the Titanic that that many people don't know, unexplainable things. Some may even say supernatural. Ooh, spooky. We're getting into the spooky stuff now. Um, Mm -hmm. On today's episode, we are going to discuss some of the weird occurrences surrounding the Titanic, from premonitions to urban legends to even conspiracy theories. There are many eerie situations regarding the most famous shipwreck in the world. So, finally getting into the premonitions part, which there's just like so many that I found, which I was just like, this is crazy. Like, this is too crazy to be a coincidence. Like, so many people had experiences, it's weird. Um, So, as Titanic steamed out of Southampton on the 10th, an incident that at least one spectator found extremely ominous took place. That, as described in the outstanding 1998 book Unsinkable, the full story of RMS Titanic by Daniel Allen Butler, the immense bulk of the liner displaced an incredible volume of water in the narrow channel, creating a powerful suction in her wake. As she approached the entrance to the channel, the Titanic drew abreast of the small American liner New York, which was moored side by side to the White Star's Oceanic. Both ships had been immobilized by the coal strike, and neither had steam up. As the Titanic passed, the suction of her wake drew the two smaller vessels away from the dock where they were tied. The strain on the six lines mooring the New York to the Oceanic grew too great, and with a series of loud cracks, they parted in rapid succession as the New York was pulled helplessly toward the Titanic. For a moment, a nasty collision seemed inevitable as the stern of the New York swung to within three or four feet of the bigger liner's hull. Quick thinking on the part of Captain Gale of the tug Vulcan and prompt action on the Titanic's bridge by Captain Smith adverted the accident. So you think that like, if that would have happened, they never would have embarked. No, because it would have been like another Olympic incident. They just would have, mm-hmm. they would have crashed and it would have been like, oops, money back. You get your refund now. 
Yeah, yeah. That never would have happened. So it's just uh, so much, just like I said, so many just weird coincidences that if just one thing ha would have happened differently, it never would have happened. Um, but uh, Mr. Butler recounts that one passenger, Renee Harris, the wife of an American theater producer, suddenly found a stranger standing at her side asking, do you love life? When she answered in the affirmative, he told her that was a bad omen. Get off the ship at Cherbourg if we get that far. That's what I'm going to do. According to Mrs. Harris, she laughed it off at the time, but later she would recall that she never saw the man on board again. Uh, this was by no means the only such premonition of disaster recorded prior to the voyage of the Doom Liner. While skeptics might dismiss this recollection of Mrs. Harris as something that only took on significance after the disaster, there are examples of foreboding letters that were posted to the relatives prior to the ship's sailing, which are more difficult to explain away. Which, yeah, there's just a lot of, I don't know, there's just a lot of weird stuff that's just like really hard to just kind of pass off as coincidence. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, Ma uh, Major Archibald Butt, military aide to President William Howard Taft, and also a personal friend of Theodore Roosevelt, wrote a last Which, letter. Side oh. note, real quick. Yeah. Archibald Butt, your parents hated you when you were born. <laughs> that is a horrible, horrible name. Right. Please I continue, though. I would kill my fucking parents if they ever named me that. I'd be like, what drugs were you on when you named me this? Just, just, just a question. <laughs> I mean, cocaine was legal at the time as a fucking headache medication, so maybe that's what she was on when they fucking named him. Maybe. Who fucking knows? Jeez. <laughs> Archibald Butt. That's hilarious. Oh, man. Poor thing. <laughs> um. He wrote a last letter to his sister-in-law before the Titanic sailed in which he said, if the old ship goes down, you'll find my affairs in ship-shape condition. There is also a letter sent by Chief Officer Wilde, the second in command of the ship after Captain E.J. Smith, to his sister, which was posted at Queenstown, which said, I still don't like this ship. I have a queer feeling about it. And uh, Officer Wilde did not survive, so. Yeah, I think he went down with, like, Captain Smith. Mm-hmm, Yeah. Yeah, because they last, I think, uh, la the last sighting of him, he was trying to get the uh, collapsibles off the ship before it sank. And then um, I found an article that said if his body was ever recovered, it was never identified. So people don't actually know if his body was ever recovered. So I think of the 1500 that went into the ocean, they only recovered two or 300, some like very, very mm -hmm. small number. Because mm -hmm. by the time they were over to like, pull the resources and start heading back you know birds have gotten to it the bodies had sank into the ocean they had floated yep. away yeah yeah because a lot of them had like floated hundreds of miles away from where the wreckage was and that was another thing that i wanted to bring up actually i'm glad that you brought that point up because <sighs> there's something that doesn't sit right with me with the way that they uh got rid of some of these bodies like i i understand it but at the same time, I don't because they definitely gave preferential treatment to first class victims. Like if they found anybody that was a first class victim, oh, they made damn sure that they got them back to New York. But if there was a third class passenger, they just dropped them back into the ocean pretty much. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 it, it's it was just the, the the time classism was a huge thing. It's it's really fucked up. Yeah. When you think about it. But again, it goes to that honestly kind of like titanic movie thing where it's just like oh we didn't have any record of jack and it's just like yeah because 
a lot of the third class people weren't big name people. You you want to find John Jacob Astor's body. You want to find the the the, the owners of, the Guggenheim. You want to find the owners of the Macy's yeah. department store. You don't give a shit about Tom Green and his little <laughs> family coming from Ireland to America. Yeah, which is just sad to me. It's, it's really fucked up. Yeah, never. It's never sat right with me. That's like the one thing about this story that I just find kind of disgusting. Just the way that these like third class passengers were treated. It's just like they're they're fucking people too. Like just because mm-hmm. they don't have all the money in the world like you guys do. It, it, but like you said, it was it was a different time, and I think back in that time there was such a thing as you know social classes, and you know you you fit within a social class, and if you don't, then you don't belong kind of a thing and it was just like that i mean there were even parts of the ship where third class passengers were absolutely not allowed to go like mm-hmm. we're only they segregated first second and third class um passengers from each other like so when you see that in the movie you know like when jack dawson is walking around the ship and they're telling him to go back to where he belongs that was basically kind of a real thing like that's not <laughs> it's not a made-up thing just for the sake of the film like there were actually parts where passengers weren't allowed to go um mm-hmm. So, but uh, uh, another one is uh, the Hart family, uh, and they were traveling aboard the RMS Titanic as second-class passengers as they were planning to start a new life in Winnipeg, Canada. At the time of the mated voyage, Eva Hart was only seven years old. Despite being so young, Eva's memories memories of the tragedy never faded. It was her belief that a premonition by her mother, Esther, saved her life as she believed deeming a ship unsinkable was flying in the face of God. In fact, Esther was so scared of the events that might unfold that she would sleep during the day to remain vigilant in her cabin at night. As she heard a bump, the family had a chance to quickly escape the ship. However, Eva's father, Benjamin, refused to climb into a lifeboat to allow women and children to flee, and he gave his coat to his wife to keep his family warm, and he unfortunately perished. So, Yeah, I knew about her story because... She was on the documentary I watched many, 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 many moons ago. It's uh, Titanic Secrets Revealed, which uh, oh, the guy that played, one. yeah, the guy that played Captain Smith was the host. And she said that her, it was her, Eva's father was like, yeah, no, my dear, this is a ship that is unsinkable. Mm-hmm. And then she said that line. She's like, well, that's just flying in the face of God. That's why I'm afraid. Yep. Yep. Because uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's ever been on record who said it but like the lion god himself cannot sink the ship i know somebody said that in real life like someone mm-hmm. actually did say that um it's like mm, that is obviously not true <laughs> and god said oh really hold my beer <laughs> oh man all right so anyway sorry jonathan shepherd served as a junior class second assistant engineer aboard rms titanic and reportedly had unshakable fears about joining the liner on her maiden voyage however he had reasons to worry as he had been involved in a naval collision a year earlier as he was on board rms olympic in 1911 when she collided with the hms hawk a british warship his father his father was interviewed by the northern daily telegraph weeks after the fateful night and stated his son was down in the dumps prior to the voyage when he asked his son, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of death? Jonathan replied, no, I'm not afraid of death, but I don't want to go. His father also stated, my lad did not want to go on Titanic. He would have rather he would rather have stopped on Olympic. On the fateful evening, Jonathan helped the ship's engineers to rig pumps inside boiler room number five. However, a slip on a raised access plate led him to breaking his leg. While Frederick Barrett, the lead fireman, and Herbert Harvey, an engineer, helped Jonathan to the pump room, the bulkhead breached and he sadly drowned in the rising water. 
which is horrible to imagine. But Frederick Barrett, the lead fireman, he actually did survive. Yeah, I heard that because he was the one that I think testified about the fire. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. And he's actually uh, who I don't know who plays him in the actual movie Titanic, but there's I mean, you can see him in a couple of scenes in Titanic just kind of standing off in the background. But um, another one that I thought was really interesting uh, uh, was a person by the name of Alex McKenzie. And uh, despite boarding RMS Titanic at Southampton before it set sail, Alex McKenzie heard a voice that warned him he would lose his life if if he remained aboard the liner. The 24-year-old was walking along a gangway when a voice in his head warned him not to travel on the vessel. However, when he looked around, there was no one present. Shaking off the warning, he continued walking only to hear it for a second and then third time, with each warning sounding stronger than the last. It was then that he decided to abandon the voyage and return to his hometown of Glasgow, Scotland. The young Scott had received either either a second or third class ticket from his grandparents. As he had wasted the expensive ticket, his family was less than pleased with his return. However, they were soon relieved at his decision when news of the disaster broke, which <laughs> I'm sure you would be. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine his mother just walking around, just being like, oh, it's nice to see you, even though you should be on a ship. Right. And then like the day the paper comes out, he's just like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hold like, up that fucking paper, just be like, told you so. <laughs> mm-hmm. That voice was right. Yep. Um, Edith Rosenbaum, also known as Edith Russell, was a 33-year-old first-class passenger who was traveling on RMS Titanic after report after reporting on fashion at Paris Easter Sunday races. While she did state the liner was the most wonderful boat you could think of, she also posted a letter to her, sec- her secretary from Queenstown, which read, I'm going to take my very much needed rest on this trip, but I cannot get over my feeling of depression and premonition of trouble. How I wish it were over. After the ship struck an iceberg, Edith managed to escape in lifeboat 11 with her small toy pig and its music reportedly provided passengers with much comfort. She was safely rescued from the lifeboat four hours later and traveled extensively throughout her life, surviving various tornadoes, car accidents, and another shipwreck, which crazy. Don't travel with Edith. Right. And then this is probably the freakiest one of all. Like, I can't get over this one. This one... There's just way too many, too many similarities for this to be a coincidence. But uh, um, most chilling of all has to be the story of the book titled The Sinking of the Titan. Titan. It was written by Morgan Robertson, and it tells the story of how on one chilly night in April, the largest vessel ever to float at 800 feet long, displacing 45,000 tons and declared unsinkable by all who had seen her was gliding through the water with roughly 2,500 peacefully sleeping passengers. Then suddenly it struck an iceberg on its starboard side while moving at 25 knots. The ship was 400 nautical miles from Newfoundland. The ship sank quickly and due to an insufficient amount of lifeboats, it took a majority of its passengers with it. As familiar as the story sounds, it is actually not the story of the Titanic written after the tragedy, but 14 years prior to Titanic's maiden voyage, which it's just creepy. Like, especially when you think about just, I mean, there's some things I'm sure you can explain away as just, oh, that's just a coincidence, but it's just like, no, you don't. it's literally like the names are almost the same. The, you know, um, the fucking length of the ship is about the same. Just the way it sank is about the same. Um, hitting an iceberg, like just crazy. Um, in 1880, in 1898, a man named Morgan Robertson penned a novel titled The Wreck of the 
Titan or Futility. The story was that of a man named John Rowland, an alcoholic and disgraced former naval naval officer who takes a job aboard the Titan, the world's largest vessel. Robertson describes it as unsinkable and among and among the greatest works of men. The Titan strikes an iceberg on its journey, sinking and becoming one of the world's greatest tragedies. The tale could almost be an exact retelling of the Titanic tragedy, if not for its release date. In fact, that's what makes it even more eerie. The similarities between the Titan and the Titanic go far beyond a name and an iceberg. The length of the Titan was 800 feet, the Titanic 882. The speed at which the Titan cruised into the iceberg was 25 knots. The Titanic's was 22.5. Uh, the Titan held 2,500 passengers. The Titanic held 2,200, though both had a capacity of 3,000. Um, both ships were British-owned. Both ships were hit on their starboard bow around midnight. Both sank in the North Atlantic, exactly 400 nautical miles from Newfoundland. Both had a severe lack of light bo- lifeboats, the Titan holding 24, and Titanic carrying just 20. Both had a triple screw per propeller though there are a few differences there are few and far between for example the titanic sinking only left 13 survivors or titan sinking sorry the titan sinking only left 13 survivors while the titanic left 705 and the titan actually capsized before sinking where the titanic split into two pieces after the titanic tragedy robertson was even accused of being clairvoyant due to the insane similarities between his work and real life. After all, the likelihood of somebody writing a book so similar to a tragedy that hadn't even taken place yet is almost impossible. There are 41.1 million square miles of Atlantic Ocean available for shipwrecks to choose from, and there were plenty of reasons a ship could sink besides an iceberg. Um, But he basically uh, had an extensive knowledge of, of shipbuilding and research of maritime trends, so... I mean, he kind of tried to explain that away as just, <laughs> he tried to explain it away as just, oh, I have like extensive knowledge of this. And, you know, um, and in the late 1800s and early 1900s, ocean liners were one, one of the most convenient ways to travel as, as well as one of the most popular. Companies like the White Star Line advertised their ships as floating first-class hotels and promised speed and safety with all the luxuries of being on land. Robertson was the son of a ship captain and grew up as a cabin boy before becoming a first mate on a merchant ship. Uh, It's no wonder that he drew inspiration from countless stories he heard of luxury liners and personal knowledge of ships' inner workings. Uh, The route that the Titan took could also be easily explained. It was the fastest and most direct from England to New York. It should also serve as no surprise that the Titan and the Titanic both chose to use it. Um... The similarities between Titan and Titanic have sparked numerous conspiracy theories over the years. Though the conspiracy theories may not hold up, it's impossible to disregard the similarities between the Titan and the Titanic and not wonder what kind of luck Robertson had to predict the world's most famous maritime disaster. Yeah. um, In our review, Nick was the one, our producer brought it up and I had uh, heard of the book, but I never really got delved further into it. Yeah, but he was like, yeah, like like you said, like the guy just knew the maritime laws at the time. He was on ships, so he was just like everyone was just like, oh my god, like the, the theory is like, oh, he's a time traveler or he's clairvoyant. Yeah. He was just like, no, I know the, the the route the route Titanic took was the most direct route. Icebergs have always been a problem. Mm-hmm. These were the safety standards at the time. Like I was pointing out, like how 
like man's ignorance yep could be their downfall and he's like and you know unfortunately i was right yeah but even then it's like like i said you can explain it away with certain you know coincidences but it's just there's so many that it's just like that it's just it's eerie to me it's too eerily accurate yeah like even down to the number of passengers the almost the same amount of lifeboats the fact that it was deemed unsinkable like the, i mean the name it, it's only two letters away from being the actual name so mm -hmm. it's just it's weird it, it, it gives me chills even thinking about it like that's like the one that i've always thought about that i'm like I don't know. He must have had like a dream or something. Like there's got to be something that he knew. I don't know. Mm -hmm. There's a there's another theory that um I think you you'll cover it in a minute, but there's a, a theory that part of the insurance scam that White Star Line was using to uh, get themselves out of debt was based on the knowledge someone read of the book. Yeah. Mhm. Mm yeah. Yeah, I read that. I uh, I heard, I knew that too, actually. Yeah, that's uh, it's just uh, it's just crazy though. Like I don't know, I don't know. Like I'm, it makes me speechless when I think about it because it's just like, like it's I said, creepy. You, yeah, like you. I mean, you can explain away the whole you know route that it took, you know, it hitting an iceberg, you know, all that stuff. But it's just there's just so much other stuff that I'm just like. Mm -mm. That, and the fact that he got the month of the year down to a T2, it was in April. And it, Which technically the Titanic would have sailed in March, <clears throat> but it was um, it was pushed back to April because of the Olympics accident. Because mm -hmm. they used parts from Titanic to fix Olympic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is like again like i said i'm sounding like a broken record here but it's like maybe if she would have left the month or month before you know she this would have never would happened mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep um so now we're going to get into the conspiracy theories part which i find some of these conspiracy theories really interesting and kind of just fucking ridiculous <laughs> especially the first one that we're going to cover because there's the one where um the titanic never sank so uh People seem to love a good insurance fraud story, so maybe it's unsurprising that this conspiracy theory is one of the Titanic's most popular. This uh, this theory proposes that someone switched the Titanic with another White Star Line ship, the RMS Olympic, but as Paul Burns, vice president and curator for the Titanic Museum attractions in Missouri and Tennessee points out, it just doesn't make any sense. This theory starts with the fact that the Olympic was damaged while sailing from Southampton, England to New York in September of 1911 and had to return to Harland and Wolf shipping yard in Belfast for repairs. The company repaired the Olympic and it sailed to New York and back. It returned to Belfast for more repairs in March 1912, a few weeks before the Titanic set sail. Uh, the conspiracy theory claims that some person or people found the Olympic too severely damaged to be profitable. And so at some point switched it with the Titanic to purposely ditch the damaged ship, reap the insurance money, and it seems kill a bunch of people in the process. There are a lot of holes in this theory, but one of the biggest is that Titanic's insurance wasn't enough to cover the Olympics loss. As J. Kent Layton writes in Conspiracies at Sea, the switch conspiracy founders quite literally on its financial merits alone. So, well, and people also say that the Titanic was switched with the Olympic um because specifically the promenade decks are different and that's another reason why i find it not accurate because the titanic um they built the promenade deck differently from the olympics so that the seawater 
that like the 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 um not the seawater but the uh what's the the mist from the waves hitting the side of the ship it was a lot um easier for the passengers if they had like the smaller windows instead of more of an open promenade deck so with the titanic to solve that issue the first part of the ship like where the bows at there it was more closed and had like smaller windows which reduced the amount of like mist that was going to be coming in mm-hmm. that's why um, we get closer to the the stern mm-hmm. it, it opens up and you can actually like look out the yeah. side of the ship because it's got yeah. those like little wooden the little um, wooden, uh, beams in between yeah yeah and so with but with olympic it was the entire promenade deck from uh, bow to stern was open like there was no like small little openings from the bow section to about the middle of the ship so people people like to say that that uh <laughs> you know the titanic was switched with the olympic but it's like if you see the pictures of the titanic it's clearly different from the olympic so it's like that's not not accurate right and it was also disproved too once you they discovered the wreck and saw the uh the, the id number because you can't mm-hmm. swap that out yeah not only that, but like the, the, you know, they found like the close, the more closed off windows too on the promenade deck. So yeah, it's just that, that, that theory has always had me rolling my eyes because I'm like, that's just ridiculous. So they're, they're going to kill 1500 people to fucking re- reap some insurance money that they can't even cover the cost of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it's like, you have to wonder where some of these conspiracy theories come from. Cause it's just like, who, who comes up with this? I mean, there were there were conspiracy theories like right when like they, people got heard the sinking, like they started immediately. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and it's like not to go off topic here for a second, but speaking of conspiracy theories, they're just fucking like with uh, September 11th, for example, a lot of people say that there weren't actual planes that flew into the buildings, and it's like, what? Are you kidding me? So mm-hmm. everybody that filmed the planes flying into the buildings was in on it everybody that was there that day was in on it you know everybody that saw it with their own two fucking eyes that saw the planes going to the towers they were in on it like there's just some of these people out that you know live in this world i'm just like what planet are you on yeah y'all are a lot you need to stop (laughs) yeah um this is kind of another conspiracy theory that i think is really interesting um a mummy's curse doomed the titanic so apparently people think that there was like um there was like a mummy on board that sank the titanic uh one of the passengers who went down with the titanic was william stead a british editor who subscribed to early 20th century spiritualism and had spent the past several years claiming a cursed mummy was causing mysterious destruction and disaster in london as with other myths about egyptian curses and native american burial grounds this myth played off off of colonists at colonialists anxiety about the people whose land they had plundered on board the titanic stead happily retreated his tale or repeated his tale of the mummy's curse to other passengers after the ship sank a survivor recounted stead's story to the new york world and the media picked it up the next month the washington post ran this headline ghost of the titanic vengeance of hoodoo mummy followed man who wrote its history Burns says some people link the mummy's curse to Egyptian artifacts that survivor and hero Margaret Brown really did take with her on the Titanic to deliver to a museum in Denver. In other versions of the story, the mummy was actually aboard the Titanic because the British Museum had sold it to an American who was shipping at home. Snopes reports, 
but the truth is the so-called unlucky mummy is still at the British Museum and no mummy was ever loaded onto the ship. It was an iceberg, not a curse that sank the Titanic. Which... <laughs> Just when you think you can't get any more ridiculous with these fucking, you know, urban legends slash, slash conspiracy theories, this one takes the cake for me. It's it, it, I I just really wish that someone had made like a ho- a hammer horrors like the curse of the mummy on Titanic, but I feel like that would have been too poor of taste for even them to do. But I'm like I would have paid to see that movie. Kind of surprised that ha- uh, a cheap fucking sci-fi horror film hasn't been made <laughs> on that premise alone, and maybe exactly. not even maybe not even like have it as the Titanic, but have a ship that kind of looks similar to it, so that it's not like as offensive but people will right. know what they're, you know, um, just like a generic, like, knockoff. Oh, that'd be yeah, like Name of the Titan or something. Yeah. Uh, fut- futil- uh, futility 2, The Mummy's Curse. Mm-hmm. The Sinking of Titan 2. <laughs> Jesus. Um, the ship's, uh, here's another conspiracy theory for you. Uh, the ship's number read, No Pope Backwards. One myth, uh, one myth posits that Catholic employees of Harland and Wolf, the Belfast company that built the Titanic, were distressed that the ship's number 390904 seemed to say no Pope when viewed in a mirror. Was this the sign of bad luck that foretold the ship's doom? Nope. The late Titanic historian Walter Lord wrote that he received letters from people in Ireland relaying this no Pope story beginning in the mid-1950s. Yet, as Burns pointed out in his 1986 book, The Night Lives On, there was no such number attached to the Titanic. The whole number painted on the ship was 401, the same, the same as its yard number at Harland and Wolf, and, the, and its board of trade number was 131,428. Um, so, yeah, I don't even know where that one, <laughs> I don't even know where that one came from. That one, that one oh. just sounds like somebody like made it up and then it just kind of spread like wildfire and everyone was like on board with it. Yeah. It seems like a really... lot of people were grasping at straws to to find other reasons of why this ship sank. A lot of, you know, consider- like, and don't get me wrong, like I'm a total believer in the paranormal. I'm a total believer in weird shit like that. But I mean, it's kind of, in in my opinion, it's almost kind of disrespectful that you're going to sit there and like, make up these wild conspiracy theories when it's just as simple as like a fucking iceberg that sank the ship like why right. why turn it into this big huge conspiracy thing when it's just a, a a random coincidence of happenstances that you know happen to sink occur the ship. exactly it, it <laughs> has just nothing the need, to do with a mummy's curse it's just the need for people to want to over exaggerate things yeah yeah it's just, it's just that one of like that one of like things happen in a more worldly sense yeah yeah the 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 no pope one is is definitely i think a part of it started too because of the ship not being uh christened christened yeah because um in normal traditional maritime uh tradition for lack of a better word uh you were supposed to like break a wine or a, a champagne bottle and the white star line never did that and people always thought that like oh because you didn't did that you don't if you don't do that it's bad luck yeah you're already dooming your your ship and your voyage and it's funny because like the movie a night to remember which is shot in black and white so Mm -hmm. and if most people probably don't remember it or know it uh they have a scene where i think queen who was queen then 
uh, I don't think it was Victoria. It could have been King Edward's wife. One of them. Yeah. Uh, they they uh, christened the ship. And I was like, that didn't happen. Yeah. But I think yeah, I think a part factual. of that. Yeah, I think a part of the christening thing goes adds to the no pope thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, people just attaching their like own paranoia and you know their beliefs to something that's just like I said, just can simply be explained away by just an iceberg or like just weird coincidences that just happen to coincide with this tragedy mm-hmm. and you know. Um, but yeah, that's uh, these conspiracy theories have always dro- like drove me crazy, especially if you've I don't know if you've ever talked to somebody in real life that actually believes that these theories are true. I have unfortunately had to deal with somebody that actually believed in the in the switch theory. And I had to sit there and fucking like argue with this person. And I was like, no. And I can tell you why it's not accurate. And I gave him all these points and all of these examples of why it wasn't factual. And he continued to just ignore the the facts and just go on pure hearsay evidence. And I was just like, I'm done talking to you. I can't. Mm. <laughs> it, it was frustrating to say the least. Um, I could believe it. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Um, and then I think, I believe this is the last one that I have. Yep. So the last one that I have here is that uh, the uh, fire in one of the boiler rooms was the reason for the titanic sinking so (laughs) and this is kind of a long one and hopefully i can get through um john kempster an electric engineer at harland and wolf took photos of the titanic and apparent smudge in kempster's photos is becoming popular nowadays as in irrefutable proof that there was an uncontrolled fire on board the titanic which resulted in the sinking journalist and author senin maloney utilized these photos first known to the public in 2012 to make and present his tv program titanic the new evidence maloney and his experts claimed that the fire was so intense that it damaged the bulkhead and when the iceberg struck the bulkhead adjacent to boiler room number six failed and allowed the ocean liner to sink the theory of the program is that if the bulkhead had not been damaged by the fire the titanic could have stayed afloat according to him the iceberg was something secondary Furthermore, the program portrays J. Bruce Ismay as the bad guy. He is an easy target for all all corporate conspiracy theories regarding the Titanic since he saved himself in Collapsible D when many passengers and crew were still on board. According to Maloney, well, and also I just wanted to point out something on that too. That's like the one thing, because I'm pretty sure at that point in time, even back in 97 when the, the film was made, I'm pretty sure it was, you know, pretty much proven that uh jay bruce ismay never had such a conversation about you know um with captain smith that they claimed that he had i've i've heard that that's not a factual thing that he never told uh captain smith to to go faster or that he never you know i i've heard i've heard that that's not actually even true it's hard to say because there have been a couple of passenger accounts of them talking in in quiet about like you know the need to go faster and and this but there was also a lot of people that have been like no they never had that conversation he was just following along Mm -hmm. the normal route as it were and you know they thought that he was going off the the the, the, smith was going off the years of experience he had yeah you know he had like what 30 some years of experience on on like naval Mm -hmm. captain or Pretty being much, on yeah. the sea rather so yeah he was just going off his normal knowledge it's 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 
it's never been really proven or disproven as far as my research goes, but it's still one of those like, eh. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, and that I think that's like the one thing that I have a problem with with James Cameron's movie is that he paints he paints Bruce Bruce Ismay in such a way that he comes off as just very like arrogant and just such an, a dick like the entire movie and it's like that's not really how he was in real life like he he tried to he's he he stuck around for as long as he could and tried to save as many passengers as he could do i still think it's kind of cowardly of him to you know abandon the ship yeah a little bit you know um, especially when there were still so many people on board but at the same time it's like what would you do in that situation would you save yourself or would you you know do like there's everybody a, else and go down with it right well there's a lot of stories which i find utterly ridiculous there's actually a story that i read of a uh, japanese i believe he was a first class passenger and um he uh made a last minute decision to enter one of the lifeboats and when he got back to japan everybody disowned him in japan like he was oh wow he, he was considered a coward in japan until the day he died because he was a man and he shouldn't have survived he should have gone down with the ship so ever like that was basically um everybody in japan thought that was a disgrace and he was like he lost his job he basically was shunned from society and he basically died with people thinking that he was a complete and utter horrible person which is just a really awful thing like i i don't even know why that's <laughs> Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's awful. Yep. Yep. All because he all because he got in the lifeboat at the last minute and decided to sur- that he wanted to survive. He basically went back and everybody shunned him from society. So very sad. But, Fair enough. That's, yeah. That's, mm. Yeah. I don't know. But uh long story short, I don't think he was as bad of a guy as people claim that he was. I mean, no. did he make some questionable decisions? Yeah, probably. Yeah. But I, I don't think he was as bad of a guy as people say he was. So that that's right. all I wanted to say. I just kind of, I feel like his name has pretty much been cleared of a lot of wrongdoing that people originally thought that he had done. Mm-hmm. And um anyway, yeah. But according to Maloney, the White Star Line was in financial trouble and thus ismay decided to build olympic and titanic with subpar materials especially the steel employed to construct the hole in addition it is presented that he and the executives of the white star line knew that there was a fire on board the day of departure and threatened thousands of workers and the stokers of the titanic to remain silent yes maloney's program is attractive and the way the interviews and conclusions are edited allows the viewer to be misled we like to play with the idea that there was something more than the titanic hitting an iceberg and sinking it is more appealing thanks to the legend created around the ship to imagine that there was a terrible conspiracy with evil businessmen sinking to seeking seeking it's hard to uh-huh. it's hard to fuck up sinking and seeking yeah <laughs> oh man to imagine that there was a terrible conspiracy with evil businessmen seeking to sink the ocean liner, Bruce Beveridge, Mark Chernside, Tad Flit. Oh, Jesus Christ, all these names. Bruce Beveridge, Mark. His name's Bruce Beveridge. Yeah, that's what it's spelled like. Beveridge. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's a cool name, though. That's better than Archibald Butt. I mean, Bruce <laughs> Beveridge. God damn. Right. That's like a cool '70s action star. I'm I know, sorry. right? It's just I had to comment on that. Bruce Beveridge, Beveridge. as Starsky (laughs) or Bruce Beveridge as Dr. Pepper there we go yeah there we go 
Oh, man. <clears throat> Bruce Beveridge, Marks Churnside, Tad Fitch, Ionis Georgi, Steve Hall, Jay Kent Layton, and Bill Wormstead. Jesus Christ, those fucking all those fucking names. Sorry. Published <laughs> God. Published an article in response to Maloney's documentary titled titled Fire and Ice or What You Will. They have worked both together and independently on the Titanic and the Olympic class ships. They have the moral and expert authority to, do, to debunk the argument that fire sank the Titanic. The authors compared various images with those Maloney employed. They found out that the smudge appeared in some of them while in others was absent in various angles. Moreover, they identified that the smudge was located further astern to where the real life fire was located. Indeed, they acknowledged that there was a fire in a coal bunker since it was reported in both the British and American inquiries. But the key here is the location. It does not match the Titanic, the new evidence. The other problem with the fire theory is that the intensity and how it could be hidden. Maloney and his experts speak of, an, of intense heat about 1,000 degrees Celsius capable of damaging a bulkhead. Beveridge and the other authors explain that if it was the case, the stokers and firemen fighting the fire should have had to wear special gear and employ more than just shovels to take the burning coal out of the bunker. Furthermore, if the heat was so intense and capable of destroying a bulkhead, it is incomprehensible that other adjacent parts of the structure were not affected. The conf conflagration would be so fierce that not only the people dealing with the fire would notice it, but also passengers and crew would have seen smoke and perceived the smell of combustible materials. But none of those were reported after the accident. There is a full fault in Maloney's program regarding the financial stress of the White Star Line, which led to fit the Titanic with supposedly bad materials. J. Bruce Ismay was not only the president of the shipping lane, but also director of the mother company, the International Mercantile Marine Company, financed by J.P. Morgan. Furthermore, a major shareholder of the White Star Line was Lord Puri, owner of Harlan and Wolf. It is barely, it is better to state that the White Star Line had the financial support to produce the Olympic class ships. Let us not forget that it is a time of strong competition with the Cunard Line, the Hapeg, and the Nordustra Lloyd. The Olympic class was to outmatch the majestic Lusitania, Mauritania, America, Deutschland, and prepare for the new Imperator and Varderland ships. The Olympic class was conceptual... The Olympic class was conceptualized, designed, and constructed to win the transatlantic race, not to be sunk to fulfill an evil conspiracy. The authors of the article contesting Maloney present a table of steel quality employed in various ocean liners of the time. They calculated the stress needed to bend the steel employed in the hull of the ships, and the conclusion is that the Olympic class vessels had a comparable and sometimes better quality steel for the hull than their contemporaries. This proves that the White Star Line and Harlan and Wolf employed good quality steel for their ships. There is another aspect to consider. Why did Bruce Ismay and Thomas Andrews board the ship for its maiden voyage? Maloney goes miles to place guilt on the White Star Line president, but does not explain why he and the director of design of the design department of Harlan and Wolf would board the ship if they knew that there was an out of control fire raging before leaving Southampton. Furthermore, once the, once the iceberg hit, it was Andrews who calculated the time the ship had before sinking. Witnesses on the bridge, aside from Ismay, concord, 
concord that the talk was about the volume of water and how many compartments were taking water. The fire was not Andrew's concern. In fact, the ship stayed afloat longer than he initially estimated. The fire itself was controlled on the 13th of April in both the British and American inquiries. The surviving stokers and firemen reported that indeed there was a fire in a coal bunker adjacent to boiler room number six, but it was put out on Saturday the 13th of April. Edward Wilding, the naval architect at Harland and Wolf, worked on the Titanic and stated in the inquiry that the kind of fire that was reported could have produced minor damage to the bulkhead, but not significant enough to impede the pumps to work and take out the water. He stated that the fire was not the cause of the sinking, but rather the damage that the iceberg caused to the five consecutive compartments. Both Olympic and, both Olympic and Titanic were designed to resist if three watertight compartments were taking water, but more than that would mean sinking. Lastly, the communications of the Titanic are completely ignored by Maloney and his program. Before the accident, there was high traffic. There was a high traffic of messages, both from passengers of the Titanic and other ships reporting ice fields, growlers, and icebergs. Every time the Titanic responded, nothing was said about the fire on board, not even to New York to prepare firemen and lifeboats. Er, sorry. Nothing was said about the fire on board, not even to New York to prepare firemen and fireboats. When the Titanic hit the iceberg and began to sink, Jack Phillips and Harold Bride were using CQD and SOS distress messages reporting the accident with the iceberg, that women and children were put on lifeboats, that they were sinking, not a single one of them reported a fire. The Titanic sank due to the fact that the captain and the officers ignored the warnings regarding ice. The fire in the coal bunker adjacent to boiler room number six did happen, but was not responsible for the sinking. The damage to the hull was done by the collision with the iceberg. Since the 13th of April, the Titanic received various reports regarding icebergs, ice fields, but no action was taken aside from keeping watch. There was unfounded confidence that the speed was appropriate to evade an object if it was spotted with enough time. On the 14th of April, it was not possible for the lookout to spot an object in due time for the ship to maneuver. Yep, yep. So yeah, the coal fire um, conspiracy theory is not true. That's one of that I think that's held on the longest because um, it wasn't the, the the one that you mentioned that where they refuted that other guy's uh -huh. documentary. Um, that was fairly recent because I remember in my review, I found it and it was like 20, 2018, 2019, something like that. Mm -hmm. It was very recent. And they said like, no, like, because a lot of people were doing like kind of what that that one documentary guy was saying like oh because of the fire it showed that they the white star line cut corners and it was built really cheaply like all the the divots weren't long enough or thick enough for the plates yeah. blah, blah 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 and they came back and they were like no we tested the metal from mm -hmm. the samples we have and it was above par the divots were, it, like they were like they built a sturdy ship the fact that it sustained the damage it did and sank as and it took the the amount of time it took to sink proves yeah. that this shit was built beyond the capabilities it should have been at the time right and not to mention that um when this episode will be released it will be released on the 14th of april which is the 109th anniversary of the sinking and the ship is still down on the ocean floor i mean it's deteriorating uh pretty bad now um to the point that they said in like the next probably 15 30 years maybe it'll be i heard 15 i heard like 15 to 20 but some people i've heard say 30 like where it will be completely gone um mm -hmm. it'll just be like a rust stain on the bottom of the ocean but the fact that it 
it has lasted that long in the ocean floor that i mean that says enough that you need to know about how fucking sturdy this ship was like the fact that it hasn't even fully deteriorated and it's been down down there for a century like mm-hmm. that's that's insane to me and they said if it was if it hadn't sunk where it sunk uh because of the light the plant life and the 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 what's making it uh deteriorate quicker it's the resticles mm-hmm. it probably would have lasted a lot longer but because of that uh microorganism that's eating it away that's why it's 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 happening so much quicker than it probably would yeah and it's really sad it's really sad because i that's like been one of my dreams since i was a little kid to be able to see that wreck in like in person to go down there and actually see it with my own eyes like i've always wanted to do that and i know they were doing that for a while they were uh they did this thing where they were having people that uh, they were allowing people to go down and see it but it was like for a hundred thousand dollars per person mm-hmm. and i was like i'll be a hundred thousand i'll be a hundred thousand dollars in debt to go do that yeah i'll take I mean, you got 30 years yeah i was like i'll take down a hundred thousand dollar loan it's fine i can live what are you that. doing i'm buying a house oh, okay clunk and going down <laughs> yep pretty much <laughs> um but yeah um i don't know did you have any other thoughts any other conspiracy theories or anything else that you that you know of that i didn't there's mention? there's one that we mentioned in one that I mentioned in um, my review, um, and I knew this from another documentary I watched. I can't think of what it was, but it deals with the um, the owner of the Biltmore Estate, one of the um, Vanderbilts. Mm-hmm. Um, they were supposed to sail on the Titanic. Yeah. But they changed their ticket to Olympic and sold later or earlier or something like that. Um, there's two things that they say. The one is like, oh, we just wanted to get home sooner. You know, we missed America. Yeah. We want to see our big ass fucking house that's being built. <laughs> um, so they switched their tickets last minute. And then because of the last minute change, like one of their servants uh uh, sailed on the Titanic and they died and they lost a lot of luggage because they're going to get it switched over. Yeah. But the conspiracy theory is that his mother uh, wrote to him or called him and was like, I had a dream of something bad happening. I don't want you to sail on that ship. Sail on something else. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the the theory is is that he didn't sail because his mother called and was like, don't do it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I don't remember where I read this from, but I, I, I read something else where there was a, I don't remember if it was a child or a young girl or something, but it was the day that the Titanic was going to set sail in there. I don't remember, like I said, I don't remember if it was a young girl or who said it, but I feel like I read somewhere where somebody was like, that ship's going to sink. Like, I don't know if it was a little kid that said it, like the made a comment. I, I'm pretty sure I read that it was like a little girl and she like made a comment to her mother or something when they were watching the ship, you know, board and stuff like the, I guess apparently the little girl was like, that ship's going to sink. A very exorcist. You're going to die up there. Piss themselves. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're going to die in four days. Just, just be ready for that. You're going to die. Yeah. yeah. Just says it like so nonchalantly, like dressed up like Wednesday Adams in like yeah. the ninth, the early 20th century. That ship's going to sink, and most of those people are going to die. And then she's like, her mom's going to be like, you're morbid. <laughs> yeah. 
just reads the paper on that that following like monday just like honey i think there's something wrong with our daughter (laughs) yeah right i think we need need to take take her to to see someone yeah we need to go to the asylum yeah we need to go to the mental hospital now Mm -hmm. yeah oh man but uh yeah uh that was a fun discussion I, I love I love talking about the Titanic. Like I'm so glad that I was able to find a way to because <laughs> I was like, how am I gonna do this? Like, how am I going to use the excuse of talking about the Titanic when the Titanic's not necessarily a horror property? A horror property, yeah. But then I was like, you won't well, there are a lot of spooky like coincidences that surround this whole thing. So I'm like, I'll just do that. And I was like, Yeah, yeah that's exactly. a wonderful idea. So yeah, I was like. I'm I'm really happy that you came on to do this episode with me. Oh yeah, you mentioned you were doing it, and I, I think I was like one of like I, I, when I saw it, I immediately messaged you and I was like, please, in some capacity, put me on this. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then I was gonna we were gonna have um um Finn from uh, Movies to Drink to on here too because uh, fun fact about Finn, he uh he's the one that did uh the Little Shop of Horrors episode with me a while back. Um, he actually used to live near Southampton. I don't remember. I can't remember exactly if he said he lived in or around Southampton, but he's actually been to the dock where they, uh, where they built it. Yeah. Once sat. Wow. He's actually seen it like the dock. And I'm like, Oh my God, I would love to go there because apparently the moors on the side of the dock that held the ropes, like that kept the Titanic are still there. Like the, Oh wow. Yeah. They have, they haven't changed them. And I'm like, Oh my God, what, what, what would it be like just to touch one of those moors? And just be like the titanic was once here <laughs> i'm so weird like that i don't know right i did something I, I did something kind of um you're not allowed to do this but i went to the titanic museum in uh, vegas because there's one in vegas and they have a huge piece they call it the big piece i think is what they call it and it's mm-hmm. just a huge side of the ship that they brought in uh from the ocean floor and it's probably about 30 by like 20 feet and it's it's fucking huge and you're not supposed to touch it, but I touched it. Yeah. What's funny is like, I, I think they moved that piece around to mm-hmm. the various museums. Cause I think at one point it was at the one in uh, Gatlinburg. And yeah. I think they just kind of move it periodically around. Yeah. And, it, and it's crazy. Cause it's still like, some of it has portholes in it. So like, you can see like some of the portholes that are still there and uh, it's crazy. Yeah. I was like, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm touching this. So I was like, I, I heard him touch it. I was like, oh, okay, that was cool. <laughs> I was like, I have to. I'm sorry. Um, I keep but, meaning uh, to go to the museum in Gatlinburg, but it's like five hours away. But at some point, I'll get there. Yeah. Well, not to mention, we didn't talk about uh, kind of like the weird coincidences surrounding those museums, because apparently, like, the one in Vegas is, like, uber haunted. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Like, people have, um, people have reported, like, seeing stuff or hearing stuff. Um some people have even reported seeing like the captain on the grand staircase, like the captain himself, like standing there. And then when they like, when they go to ask him something, he disappears. It's, I don't know. I'm like, creepy. I totally believe it. (laughs) You know, I mean, yeah, if you're taking articles away from what is essentially a grave site, don't be surprised if you have like a poltergeist moment. Right. Well, and here's the thing my mom and I were talking about this the other day because I was telling her I was like because I kind of fall on both sides of that coin I don't it depends on what they're taking from the bottom of the ocean floor like I don't agree with some of the stuff that they've taken but 
I think it is important to catalog certain things and preserve them because I mean, eventually the ship's going to be completely gone. So what are we going to have left of that legacy? You know? So I think, I think it's great that they've taken some stuff from the bottom of the ocean, like from the wreckage and stuff and have like put it in museums for other people to see. But at the same time, I think it's also kind of questionable. Like it's like, I mean, that is technically a grave site. Like people died there. Yeah. So maybe yeah. you shouldn't, you know, take that stuff. But then at the same time, it's like, well, when the Titanic's gone, what's left, what's going to be left. And it's like, I think it's important to kind of have some of that stuff to keep its memory alive a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I kind of fall on both sides of that. I'm kind of like, it's kind of, you know, questionable, but at the same time, I also kind of understand it. Yeah. That's kind of where I fall on too. It's just like, you don't want to disturb a resting place, but because it is such a monumental tragedy, you want to preserve as much as you can so that it's remembered. Exactly. Yeah. I thought I remember reading that they were trying to figure out a way to like actually raise the ship so it doesn't continue to disintegrate, but they haven't found a technology yet where it won't just dissolve on it. It won't just fall apart as they rise it. Yeah. I just, I think they should just leave it where it's at. Honestly, I don't think they should try to, I think I think that would be like the most disrespectful thing is to try to raise it up. It's like, no, just leave it where it's at. Doesn't doesn't need to be moved. <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh yeah, uh so one question I had for you before we go. Um, do you think that the situations can be passed off as coincidence, or do you actually believe that some of this, you know, stuff was more supernatural in nature do you do you think that a lot of the premonitions these passengers had was wasn't just happenstance that they actually got kind of like a i don't know i guess a a sign from something telling them that you know you know what i mean yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i still have a hard time kind of um normalizing futility and that story but it's, it's it, it like when you look into it like yeah you understand like where he could have gotten that that understanding and where he could have like gotten the resources to write the, the 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 story but it's still a lot of like this is too perfectly happenstancy mm-hmm. um and i do agree with some of the passages like uh edith and her mother like mm-hmm. just like oh yeah like that's that this is why i'm afraid because this is just kind of like flying in the face of god as she said but I believe when people have premonitions, I mean, you know, yeah. I, I think, I think, you know, your, your body and the environment around you can be like, something's off, probably not do this. Yeah. Something's not right here. And I think there's like the, that little voice in the back of your head. That's like, you know, don't do that. Or there's just something not right. Maybe you shouldn't, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. Like, I, I guess the supernatural believer in me wants to believe that, you know, I, I think that some of these are obviously just kind of random coincidences, but it's, it's, it's weird to me how so many people had like premonitions of impending doom. Like I didn't even, I don't even think I told half the stories of, of people that had bad, there were some people that even can't went as far as canceling their tickets because they were like, I'm not going on that ship. Like, I don't have a good feeling about it. I'm not doing it. Um, like there were some people that you know like you said there was that one person that had like the nightmare about it 
There was a oh yeah, the Vanderbilt's mother. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And there was another one where um a woman, I think she was like one of the f- only four pass first class women to to perish in the accident. She actually uh had seen a fortune teller years prior to that, and the fortune teller had warned her to stay away from water, and uh she uh gave up one of her spots on the boat and then she was like like i said she was only one of the four first class women to perish during the accident so it's it's weird like there's just a, a lot of things that i'm just like oh, i don't know like and like you said with the whole wreck of wreck of the titan i'm just like that is just too fucking eerily similar there are just mm-hmm. way too many things that i'm just like i don't know i i i honestly believe i feel like there was something that was like telling him while he was writing this book that <laughs> it's this just so about fore- to go down it's just so foretelling to me it's so crazy but uh yeah i i agree this is it's it with 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 knowing about the vanderbelts and edith and everything else it's just too too many people having premonitions where it's just like something's not it's just it's too, it, too yeah it's just, yeah yeah it's just i don't know so like i said i i I, part of me wants to believe that it was just random coincidences but the other part of me wants to believe that there was like some sort of i don't know um what's the word that you want to call it like a almost like a guardian angel for some of these people Mm -hmm. that was like you know just happened to be there and help them get out of this like situation especially the one where the guy claimed that he heard a voice telling him that if he didn't get off the ship he was going to die and not only did he hear it once but he heard it three times three times yeah so it's like it's just weird to me it just seems like there was like some sort of guiding force there that was just like get the fuck off yeah yeah i mean i guess ultimately we'll never know but i think it's i think it's an interesting conversation to have so i thought this this would be a really fun episode to kind of talk about that a little bit so and it was i had a blast i think this is one of my favorite episodes that i've done so and i had a lot of fun i had a lot of fun with you so thank you for coming on Anytime, like I said, like you, you, you send me a horror movie. I'm, I've more than likely seen it. And I'll be like, yeah, I'll, I'll review that with you. Yeah. Yeah. You're always down. You're always down for, you're almost down time. for anything. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah, <laughs> you're like, well, I mean, not everything, but <laughs> yeah, I don't do water sports. Yeah. Don't do water sports. I don't do bestiality. I don't do, you know, all that, but yeah, anything a, else. Anything else is yeah. fine. Maybe not a Taylor Swift concert. Oh, you'd even go to a Taylor Swift concert with me, huh? For you, I I would. Oh, I'm telling you right now, you probably wouldn't want to. Yes, I would. Just because so I can like film your like screaming reactions and be like, eh, you're going to the internet. Yeah, well, that, that's the funny thing. I used to make fun of those people that I used to see in those videos that were like sit up there and like cry and like scream. And I was like, oh, you look ridiculous. But I'm like, I understand it now. Yeah. <laughs> I totally understand it now. It's, at least with Taylor Swift. Like that's, I, what, that's the only reason why I would go with you at Taylor Swift concert is just to see that breakdown and just be like you weeping and me in the corner just drinking like a, a beer or something, just being like this fucking just an entire <laughs> fucking like 24 ounce uh glass of fucking vodka. You're just like, oh, this whole thing, I need to drink it all. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But um, yeah, before we go, did you want to plug in your podcast one last time for the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I said before, it's the Fag on Film. Uh, we're on, at this point, every podcast channel you can think of. Like I said, Google's been 
taking a little sweet time, but we'll be on Google soon. So just keep your eye out. We're on Apple, Spotify, anything else you can think of. Um, yeah, we did a review in Titanic back in January for Oscar winning month. So if you like, if you want to hear all, my review, well, not shouldn't say my review. That's it was four of us plus a guest. If you want to hear our review? Um, <laughs> go check it out. It was it's one of my favorite episodes. I I still listen to that episode and I cackle. Yeah, I'm like I'm listening to me. How am I laughing at myself? <laughs> did you quote a lot of the lines in the movie? Um, a couple, not many, but a couple. Yeah, my uh, I think my favorite one to quote is the whole uh, when they're all having lunch together, when when he's like, "It was the largest moving object ever made by the hands of man in all history," and Mr. Andrews here designed her from heel plates up. Well, I may have knocked her together, but Mr. Ismay, <laughs> the idea yeah. was Mr. Ismay's. He envisioned a steamer so grand and, and so luxurious in its appointments that its supremacy would never be challenged. And here she is, wheeled into solid reality. And I just love how she's like, you know, I don't like that, Rose. <laughs> yeah. I, what's funny is like, that's I, my favorite part. My favorite line in the whole movie is actually the end of that scene where he's just like, Freud, who is he? Is he a Passenger. passenger? <laughs> I fucking love that. I love that line so much. And, and it was also as an ad lib. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And James Cameron is like notorious for being like by the script. Yep. And he just threw it out there. And Cameron was like, that's brilliant. Keep it in. I love it. Yeah. Well, and I love mm-hmm. how when Molly Brown's like, you going to cut her meat for her too there, cow? <laughs> I love. Oh, God. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, how did you come up with the name Titanic? Was that you, Bruce? <laughs> well, yes, actually. Oh, I wanted to compare sheer size. And stability. <laughs> oh. God, Kathy Bates as Mo- Molly Brown still one of the best casting decisions She's so ever made. Good, yeah, she is so good. Um, but yeah, uh, go listen to the episode. Like I said, we're doing um, pot month, a pot theme for twenty month right now. Uh, we just did Cabin in the Woods. Um, by the time this episode drops, Pineapple Express should come out. So go listen to that. Very exciting. Yes. Yes, please, everybody, go listen to A Fag on Film. It is great. You guys are fucking awesome. And I appreciate the hell out of you for coming on this episode with me today. So, um, yeah, thank you. No problem. It's uh, it's always a pleasure. Looking forward to having you on again in the future. So, uh, yes. with that being said, we're going to get going. And uh, thanks for tuning in with us today. See ya. Goodbye. Thank you.